My favorite part is the storytelling. And when I say that, it's not just, you know, the words that you write and the stories that you assign. It's all of it, right? It's the voice and texture of, you know, the people you're advocating for, right? And so when I assign stories or when I write stories, there, there's a certain voice that we're looking for. And it is, you know, you know me, like it's a little bit playful. Sure. Um, it can be a little bit impish, sometimes a little bit edgy. And, you know, the storytelling is not just those words, which is what I was going to earlier. It's all of it. It's the visual storytelling. It's the um, the images you use on your digital platforms and social platforms. So the storytelling is no longer, you know, a page. It's it's all of it. It's the whole package is what makes a great story, not just the words, all of it. So, yeah, Ed, you know who I am, right? I know who you are. Do you I know? guess who are who are listening know who you are? I don't know. So I'm Amy Cosper. I'm the editor-in-chief of Family Business Magazine, um, published out of Philadelphia. And I write stuff and cover the, you know, kind of the vast complexities of family businesses and the people behind the businesses. How much of your job is spent writing versus looking for writers versus looking for content oh. versus all the other garbage that goes no it's a great question and it varies from month to month week to week day to day um i would like to do more writing but you know i do probably 20 percent of what i do now is writing and the rest is really sort of the choreography behind the storytelling in the magazine and on all the platforms digital social all of that so it's it's a comprehensive storytelling job that i do I've heard, and I, I believe this to a certain extent for the most part, and with you, I certainly do, because as you talked about playful and impish and edgy, you know, ways that I would describe you in, in the time that I've known you, but also in your writing style, do you think that writing reveals the personality of the writer from what you know about writers? I mean... Yes, I do. Because even, you know, in the, the the small group of writers that I have, you could send me a story, you know, from each of the writers without a byline, I would know without doubt who wrote what. And, you know, the same with a book, you know, you, know, you get used to, styles. you know, the styles of, of writing. And I think a part of that style is voice, right? And mine is very distinct because I'm kind of balls to the wall when I write because that's sort of the epoch in which we are living right now, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. you, you know, it's your writing is a part of your brand. And so, you know, and the consistency of your voice, you know, across platforms and magazines and whatever it is, is really, really important. And I think mine's been pretty consistent and it gets me in trouble sometimes, but whatever. How do you introduce yourself? You say, I'm Amy, I'm a writer. I'm Amy, I'm the editor. I'm, I mean, what's your, what, 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 when does your heart leap when you say, I am Amy Cosper and I am a, what makes your heart leap? Yeah. So professionally, you know, I am Amy Cosper storyteller. Awesome. That makes my Irish yarn spinning ancestors happy. You know, we are, we are all storytellers. And I believe, 
you know, it holds true across every industry, whether you're writing about entrepreneurs and startups or multi-generational families, you know, everything starts with your story, whether it's your origin story, whether you're a startup out there raising capital and investors, everything starts with story. And I think that we oftentimes forget that, you know, the story is the baseline for everything. Spreadsheets are not. When did you know you were a storyteller? Oh, <laughs> from a very young age, <laughs> it, you know, I mean, there are people who tell stories and there are people, you know, I, I grew up in a family of academics and, you know, the way that we communicated and reached each other and, you know, had successful relationships was always with our, with our storytelling. Some of it was true and some of it was highly <laughs> fictionalized, right? Yeah. Yeah. Are there stories or storytellers early in your life that stand out that let's start with storytellers first. Who was that first mm -hmm. storyteller that you really gravitated towards, whether it was someone you knew or, or not? Yeah. My father, who is also a writer, um, was just, it still is just a great storyteller. You know, he knew how to build, even though half of the stuff he you told me was complete bullshit. Yeah. You know, he was a great storyteller and it's, you know, it's just, and I think all families have great storytellers. The, the writer who has impacted me the most, I think is Gabriel Garcia Marquez. And what most people don't know, like he wrote a hundred years of solitude, love on the time of like, you know, he's a Colombian writer. Right. He was a journalist before he was, you know, a fiction writer. And so, you know, when you go back and read some of his writing, it, it is, absolutely glorious um storytelling even as a as a journalist and he considered himself more of a journalist than a fiction writer are there current writers that you really gravitate towards now whether fiction or otherwise so here's the thing on that that is a fair question <laughs> this about that Here, yeah. hang on a second so here's yeah. the deal and th okay this is a beef for another podcast right. but so i read a ton probably three or four books a week nice. but i read on a kindle and here is the problem with Kendall's. I can never remember the author and I 0% of the time um, can remember the title of books because you don't have, <laughs> nice. you don't have the cover, right? Like right. it's not staring at you, you know, you're not looking at it. So, you know, I mean, I like all writers of all genres. I will read anything, um, but Gabriel Garcia Marquez is my favorite of all time. Isabella Allende. Also, you know, I she has a book out in the last couple of years that I love. And here's something like for your listeners, look at me pointing. I swear I know, to God, I like I'm, it. Turning my, I'm turning into my grandmother. She was the principal of a <laughs> high school. Um, here's the thing. And, you know, I say this to my startups. I talk, you know, in my speeches about this. But if you are in business and you are a leader, no matter what business, family, startup, you know, whatever it is, read books that are not just business books, right? That's like eating one kind of food. You need a, you know, you need to work both sides of your brain. And so, you know, these startups, they, and, you know, I'm less familiar with family businesses, but startups have this habit of like having a stack of, you know, glad it, Maxwell, what's his name? Oh yeah. Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, and he, he writes these books that are kind of, you know, kind of statements of the obvious over the course of 400 pages, but don't like, don't, don't 
do that to yourself because if you read one kind of book and it's a business book or an accounting book or a you know some kind of Malcolm Gladwell-esque genre of of book you're you're very much limiting your creative process and you know really opening your eyes to other things in the world and I, I tell that to my startups almost on a daily basis because you know they they walk around with all these books and it's just sure. hey man hey man you gotta broaden your diet when it comes to books do you prefer like science fiction or just fiction or what, what i mean do you have a preference in in style i'm gonna get off of this in a second but I, I'm, I'm leading though something here i mean so for me i love all history and philosophy books i studied art history um in university and so I, you know, I lean toward the arts and the, the creative industries when I'm when I'm reading. So I love history, philosophy, but I also loved, you know, lessons in chemistry, which is a you know, New York Times bestseller fiction book. So, you know, I mean, there's not one style that I gravitate toward, but um, all of them I, I love. I'm not a science fiction fan, though. Yeah, nor am I. So if you're like most writers and I'm this way, and I, I like to think of myself as a writer, even though, and I've got a couple that I've written, but, and I love to write, as, as you know, you've read yeah, a couple yeah. things. Um, how many books on your computer right now would you say you have that you've either started writing or you've written or with me, I probably mm -hmm. have 10 different folders on my, on my desktop of books that I've started in the last 30 years to write, including ones yeah. I started probably last week. What about you? Yeah. So I have one book that okay. is my is my focus and all of those 30 books that you have scattered around can usually be synthesized into one book right yeah. like I, I started writing um, a fiction book, but realized I was actually writing my own story right and so I shifted, you know so I was able to and then I started writing this book about you know being a woman in media when it was, you know, challenging. And I was like, oh my God, this is too much of an autobiography. I got to make it fiction. So I'm not, it's not like I have a lot of books. It's like, I'm not sure what the one the needs the one's going, to be. Yeah. yeah, no, I know it's completely schizophrenic. So. So how did you go from storyteller to, uh, uh, we'll go back before Family Business Magazine, and certainly we want to stay in that area for a little while since yeah, yeah. Family Business Driven here. Entrepreneur Magazine, how did, what what path led you to suddenly being, uh, and not suddenly, it's not like you woke, hey, I'm the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur. I mean, yeah, one day you woke up and you were, but I'm sure it was a, a, a progress. What? How did you get there? Well, it's actually not very interesting. <laughs> um, I was running a. If group it's really boring, of, we'll edit this part out. But yeah, it, I, mean, you. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to get too in the weeds because I don't want people sleeping during this thing. But, um, you know, I was running a group of financial publications here in Denver and um, I got recruited, you know, by Entrepreneur. They had had the same editor, I think, for 35 years and they were looking for someone to come in and pivot, you know, this venerable brand and make it young and make it accessible and make it cool. Yeah. And I mean, I could not say no to that. So I, I was a single mother of very young twin daughters and moved from Denver to uh, Orange County, Laguna Beach, where, very near where you are. Right. Um, and it was just a blessing, you know, everything about my experience with entrepreneur and especially with the entrepreneurs around the world, really, you know, it really reaffirmed my my 
faith in humanity, you know, because people are cool and people do cool things. Yeah. And storytelling. I would imagine that that love yeah. of storytelling in an entrepreneur is, yeah. is probably another thing that probably really lit it, you up. Yeah, it, it is. And it's one of those things that entrepreneurs and startups and even family businesses mess up a lot of the time, you know, and kind of skip over what the story is. And that that shouldn't be, you know, that shouldn't be the case. And so, you know, when I left entrepreneur, I went to work in, in Copenhagen, working with creatives at the Creative Business Network and helping, you know, entrepreneurs get their stories straight. And the story becomes everything. It becomes the marketing. It becomes the brand. It becomes the the ask when you're looking for for investors. So, you know, story has always been a part of my my career. Yeah, and I'm sure that because I, I read Family Business Magazine and I see not only the cover stories and the com- and the companies and the families that you cover. What have you learned about family businesses? I know, so, admittedly, you're newer to the family business yeah. arena. What have you learned so far in your time with Family Business Magazine that's either inspired or shocked or just maybe, yeah, I'll just say inspired or shocked you if either. Yeah, well, I have been both shocked and inspired by the things that I've seen in family businesses. And one of the the greatest surprises to me, you know, I thought it was going to be when I when I took this position, I thought it was going to be a lot of policy and governance and, you know, board meetings. And there is a lot of that. But there is a depth and a richness to the storytelling in family business that is unique among all sectors of business. And I I stand behind that very, very strongly. Um, Having said that, the reason the stories are so rich is the shocking part, right? Just the, you know, the completely fractured family trees, the branches that get, get, snipped up the bickering the drama you know all the things that make a great netflix series yeah yeah have are what makes it so interesting and it never you know because i i don't come from a family business so all of this was new to me just that i followed i don't know if you followed the the laprino cheese story here in colorado familiar with it like it was like an episode of the simpsons i am not even (laughs) or maybe South Park, but I just couldn't believe that so much bad blood could run in one family, you know, just the the vitriol that was flying around in this trial. Anyway, so that part is really shocking to me. The refreshing part is that, you know, the stories are beautiful and they are historic and they are legacy, you know, and so that part has been really new to me and really interesting. And as a writer, just stuff you can get your meat hooks into, you know? Yeah. Are there any, um, without naming names, obviously you, you talked a little bit about one already, but are there, are there families that you look at that you've read about in the magazine or mm-hmm. that you read in the past or that you're aware of that are just those really inspiring stories that you just yeah. think, oh, this family's really doing it right. I know there's a yeah. lot. You and I both have hundreds. Yeah, I of mean, those, but... there's just not one that bubbles yeah. to the top. But as far as you know, what we've done in the magazine, I think the Patagonia story is astonishing, and I think that what um, Yvonne Chenard did with his company kind of shattered a lot of norms in you know not only family business but businesses in general. And then you know, like this week and last week, I've been working on a story on Zildjian. 
They're 400 years old. They go yeah. back to the Ottoman Empire, know, right? right? They used to build symbols for the sultans. Like, yep. Are you kidding me? It's, you know, that kind of stuff. You just, it's like, holy shit, this is yeah. remarkable. Um, and so there's not a day that goes by where I'm not like, oh my God, that is so cool. Yeah. Tabasco, like all of these cool yeah. brands. Um, that are that are family businesses that have all these stories Carhartt you know like what it, yeah. it's just it, it's just amazing to me I don't know if I answered your question no you but did and, and that, that's good say. because those are all family businesses that I you know Tabasco the McElhenney family I know well um, yeah. Tony Simmons former chairman came out and spoke at an event we did out here in Fullerton years ago and I've stayed in touch with him and yeah a lot of great great stories what what kind of visions do you have for I won't say changes, but what can you share about your vision for Family Business Magazine in, in particular? Is there anything about format, content, mm -hmm. angle, direction that you see uh, down the road that's a little bit different than what we see today? I mean, you know, when I came in, I I kind of, you know, came in a little bit hot and made a lot of changes. <laughs> and, you know, mostly, you know, when I when I came out, I want this this brand to represent not just, you know, the the older generations but the younger generations right. as well and so you know with that comes a, a change in the way we tell our stories it comes in you know going to the places where the next geners are which is not always a print magazine um you know creating a footprint on social and really speaking speaking the the stories of family businesses in a way that is not like opening an academic peer-to-peer -peer journal right like it we we just want to make our st storytelling accessible and interesting because it is right like it it's amazing i you know you've got these founders from you know 400 years ago in the ottoman empire the founder the entrepreneur and the thing is still going like it's the ultimate entrepreneurial success story. It, it's just breathtaking. Do you see entrepreneur? This is a, a question that comes up a lot, not so much in interviews, but just conversations that I have, mm -hmm. with, especially with family businesses. Can you talk about how you see entrepreneurship down the road? I mean, we always think of the entrepreneur as the guy or the gal who started the company. Mm -hmm. What about that 400 year old business or that 90 yeah. year old business? How has entrepreneurship and your experience, not just with the magazine, but just your experience in general, um, shown its head in family businesses, even that are generational? Yeah. So, you know, you don't become a multi-generational family business uh, by not innovating, right? In order to stay relevant and to remain intact, you know, governance and succession notwithstanding, you have to constantly challenge the way um the way you're doing business and what you're doing. And, and when we talk about entrepreneurship, it's not just a startup topic. And right. I, I speak about this on stage sometimes. Entrepreneurship is a, a state of mind. It is, you know, the ability to see things differently than other people. You can be an entrepreneurial marketer. You can be an entrepreneurial board member. Like it's just a way to challenge existing norms and, and improve or introduce entirely new ways of thinking. So I, I don't, I like, if you are not being entrepreneurial in your family business, you will not go on as long as Zildjian has. Yeah. You, you will not, you know, yeah. so. You talked in an article I read that you wrote uh, early on in your time with Family Business Magazine about having stage fright 
going into this role at Family Business Magazine. Can you go into that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I know what you meant by that, but that doesn't matter. I want to hear what you meant by it. Yeah. I mean, coming from a humongous brand like Entrepreneur, you know, with, you know, millions and millions of readers every single month and you know like you can't you don't know the audience as well as you know the audience at family business it's a smaller community it's different and so um you know i just stepping into the unknown gave me a little bit of stage fright which is a good thing because you don't want to step into something and just be completely arrogant and you yeah. know go nuts and go to town um so I, I was you know i i didn't know these families i didn't know you know peeps and t hot tamales were made by you know a family <laughs> i know right yeah. yeah it's just it's so cool i you know i can't say enough about you know, I, I should not have had the extreme anxiety I did coming into this because it has been a soft and friendly landing spot for me. Awesome. Yeah, that was the same way. I, I, I had worked in family businesses over my career, two or three different businesses. Um, I had done some executive education programs for family owned companies when I worked at USC. But it wasn't until I came into Cal State Fullerton in 2011 and did this full time. And I, I stage fright would be probably the mild way of putting how, how scared I was going in. Overwhelming. I yeah. mean, it's just it's overwhelming because you don't know where to start. And, um, you know, but I was very I was very lucky to to, you know, hit the ground running and talk to the Trefethens, you know, down in Napa. And, you know, I mean, it's just been it's been nonstop very deep, very soul satisfying storytelling here. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I found that the families that I started working with out of the gate, uh, you know, Jenny and Katie of McKenzie Corporation, I think uh -huh. I met them the first week on the job. And a lot of other folks who just really, they're just people, you know, I mean, yeah, there, there's, a, there's definitely a science to it. And there's definitely a lot to why there are a lot of people out there making good money and spending their careers doing consulting with family owned companies, because there is a lot to it. That's more than just, just your traditional entrepreneurship company or what have you. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they're very willing to support and help because you know, the more they help us, the more we can help them is what I found, which is pretty exactly. cool. Exactly. So storytelling is, is a big part of this conversation. I, I got that it probably would be. Tell me about the cowgirl mermaid chronicles. So that book we were talking about earlier, that's the book. Okay. So, it's, you know, it's, it, it's a work in progress. It's, I've published some as a, a series, um, but it's basically, you know, when I left entrepreneur, I, there, there were many things that happened when I was in Orange County. And one of them was I moved back to Colorado um, because I met a cowboy hmm. and, um, you know, moved my kids back here to Colorado, moved to a ranch which burned down um, in uh, one of the wildfires up here and we lost everything. Um, and it was, you know, a, a story for me of kind of a rebirth and the lessons, the business lessons that I, that I've learned, you know, doing really hard things and sometimes really scary things and generally very stupid things, right? <laughs> well, welcome to life. And, yeah. Yeah. And the, the tagline is, you know, you know, in business and in life, these are the reasons it's good to have a little hay in your bra and horse shit on your boot, <laughs> right? Like get your hands dirty and, 
you know, like let go of ego and, and, you know, bring it back down to earth. And so it's a collection of experiences, you know, of a city girl living on a ranch and learning, you know, that it it's okay to have hay in your hair and horse shit on your boot. Yeah. What was yeah. the hardest thing about going from Laguna beach to the mountains in Colorado? Other than the snow and obviously weather, things, <laughs> the but snow, I mean, the bears, yeah. the mountain lions, you know, yeah. um, so I never really assimilated that well in Orange County. Um, but the, the hardest and I mean, thing, this is a compliment, but you don't strike me as an Orange County girl and no. offense to the Orange County girls. I know who it's not a knock, but you, you just strike me more. I've always known you as the mountain girl. I guess that's why. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of my place. And, you know, you, you go through these journeys and you kind of learn, you know, you know, where your sense of place is, is going to be, but, you know, leave, leaving Laguna beach, you know, there are many things I don't miss, but there are plenty that I do. And the ocean is one of them. Yeah. And, you know, when the tourists aren't there, just the, the there's a sense of peace um, that you can find on the ocean that you can't really find on a mountaintop when you're, you know, basically fighting for your life every day. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, no lions and bears walking down the beach in Laguna. Right? I mean, it's Other things. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. You talk about how you have a sense of adventure. How did that start? Was, was that a dad thing as well? You know, you know, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I come from a family of daredevils and, you know, from a very young age, I was, you know, riding motorcycles and doing things that were just normal for my family. And that just kind of spilled over into adulthood and things that I consider just, you know, normal, regular things people perceive as sort of, you know, more dangerous and, and risky, you know, so it's all, it's all perception. Yeah. When did you first fall in love with Ducatis and motorcycle riding? Oh Lord, I've been in love with Ducatis since I can remember. And I think the huge love affair began when I was about maybe 15 or 16 and has just carried through my adult life through, you know, all of all of the the challenges in life i've always met you know on a two-wheeled machine you know scraping pegs on the on the tarmac so you said something about you like sports that involve helmets so yes. I, I like that 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 paints a really nice <laughs> talk about this journey that you're going to be taking at some point up uh, up the coast here or up the yeah. through wineries in california i'd love to hear yeah. more about that yeah yeah we got to plan that out yeah. Do you want me to talk about it now? Yeah, I don't mean talk about the the yeah. interest behind that and why. Yeah. So one of the cool other cool things about um, family businesses is the wine part, mm -hmm. right? Like the high concentration of family businesses in winemaking in this country. You know, from the on the west coast all the way up, you know, through Willamette and Oregon and all of those beautiful vineyards, and on the east coast as well. But I'm a, I'm a west coast girl. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, my, my thinking was, you know, to get on a motorcycle, I don't drink. So I would not yeah. be going from vineyard to vineyard. Not wine tasting as you ride your Ducati. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't really ride a Ducati yeah. and, and drink wine. But um, um, so the, the idea is to go from, you know, a few talk to a few family wineries and the families and get the story and, um, you know, do it on a motorcycle and blog it. And, you know, just, I don't know, there's something about the, when you're, when you're in wine country, 
you know, you want to be in it and experience it. And that's what motorcycles are good for. You're, you are in it. You are yeah. in where you are is where you're in. You smell it, the air, you breathe the air. And um, I don't know, it's just sort of a, an idea you and I have been kicking around. So. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. I, I, I can visualize that. And yeah, you're not looking through the window of a car. You are in it. No, and, uh, and you're uh, you're it. You are the sole. You are your sole responsibility, right? Like yeah. you, you find your shit, and um, yeah. you know that's why drinking wine and you know riding a bike is not yeah. a good idea. Yeah, don't yeah. don't put those together. I know. I was in, no, I was no. So, yeah, we're gonna contact uh, you know CHP out here and make sure they clear the roads because Amy's coming up. You know, <laughs> bottle, bottle of wine in one hand and hand on the throttle on the other, and. You know, <laughs> All kinds of images that I can see there. So. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not going to happen. So, so, so two, two questions for you. I'm <laughs> trying to decide which one I want to ask first. I'm going to ask you, what inspires you? What inspires me? Um, every morning I get up and I am inspired. I mean, I am inspired just by breathing, you know, and just people inspire me. My children inspire me. My horses inspire me. And the stories we tell inspire me. I mean, sometimes I wake up like when Yvon Chouinard, the Patagonia CEO, when he, you know, gifted as a 501c Patagonia to planet, I could not stop thinking about it. And it made me want to be a better person and to be a more giving person. And so, I, you know, that story inspired me. Yeah. So, okay, you sort of answered my second question was going to be who? inspires you you talked about your kids you talked about a few names yeah. there but is there is there someone you look at uh, a leader a family member someone that you look at that just really i know when i think about who inspires me i can start rattling off a lot of people i know and also i could talk about family businesses i work with and famous people and so forth but uh, when you when, when you think about that common denominator of the people in your life that have inspired you or that currently inspire you what would you say they have in common so the, my mother is, you know, the one who inspires me the most. And I think the reason that is due to her unwavering support and belief in me and, and, you know, my children as well, but my mother is my inspiration. I mean, she is um, tough. She is smart. She is giving and she, you know, she has never pushed me, but she has encouraged me, you know, and she, even when I step in a pile of steaming shit, you know, she, she's like, dust it off and move on. You know, I mean, she, yeah. she's the one for me. There, there are no others. She is the greatest. I love that. That's so Yeah. Cool. Yeah. She sees your potential. She loves you unconditionally. She knows yeah. what you can do. Uh, I love yeah. that. That's, that's that's awesome. I, I would say the same. My parents passed. Cool. You got to meet her sometime. She's awesome. I will. Absolutely. She, Maybe she'll be on the back she of that Ducati waving. Yeah. While you're riding up, <laughs> up central California. That's awesome. What uh, let's talk about challenges for a minute. Obviously, you've alluded to a couple. Has there been a challenge going back in your life, personally, professionally, anything that comes up? that really taught you and i'm not a huge i mean i am a huge fan of people listen to my podcast they know i like to ask a lot of compound questions uh -huh. and being coached not to do that but i'm gonna do it anyway what the hell um what challenge has really shaped you and who was there it sounds like mom was there obviously and others mm -hmm. that might have been there that have helped 
pull you through those challenges? Or is there anything that stands out? I mean, you know, life is a series of challenges and I really deeply, you know, at a soul level, don't believe any one challenge defines who you are, right? It's you define who you are. Um, But a moment in my life that probably changed my trajectory in a lot of ways was when my house burned down Mm -hmm. and we, you know, I was on a motorcycle ride in Santa Fe. And so we weren't able to evacuate. So it was a complete and total loss and it's fine. Like we like, it's got a happy ending, but when you're in it, in the moment, you know, it's, you really do learn that it's just stuff right? It really and truly is just things. And you can either let that weigh you down for the rest of your life in sadness and darkness, or you can do the cowgirl mermaid thing and Mm -hmm. dust it off and get a little dirt, make the hard decisions and move on. And, you know, my husband is, we're both very fast decision makers. And so there was, you know, there was a limited wallowing because we didn't have time. Right. Um, But but that moment, you know, when I got the reverse 911 call and my motorcycle helmet, eight hours south of here, and, you know, there is a fast moving fire, you must evacuate now. That, that, that moment was, it was a, a, a WTF, mate, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, what do you do? And um, it, it will stick with me forever, not because of sadness, Um, but because of what we were on the other side of it and how we as a family were able to to get there because it would be very easy to let that moment define you. Um, And and we didn't, so. So if there's a family business listening today that's going through their own house fire and I'm using the air quotes, you know, obviously, you know, that could be anything. It could be divorce, death, a house on fire, business crashing, fill in the, the blank here, what message yeah. would you give to them as their, and I know it's as unique as the individual, of course, but yeah, how would you counsel or coach someone who's been through their own version of a house fire? Yeah. I mean, it's the it, first thing you, you got to do is you got to keep. So when you're on a motorcycle, figuratively, metaphorically, whatever, if you are riding at a high rate of speed and there is a pothole in front of you, if you look at it, you're going to hit it and you're going to wipe out. And that, that is true in these kinds of situations as well. Like go through it, mourn, go through your stages and get to the other side, because on the other side of whatever your fire may be, is going to be your progress and the future. If you get bogged down in your fire, that's where you're going to stay. And let me tell you what, you do not want to stay there. I, you do not want to stay there. It's misery. I play golf. And when I see the tree in the fairway and I look at the tree, guess what I hit? You're going to hit it. I mean, I it's, the tree. Just, yeah. it's, it's yeah. physics, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's some yep. weird deal. I've learned now when I stand on the tee to look at like a mountain that could be 50 miles away from the golf course and aim for that. Cause I know I'm not going to hit that, but if I, <laughs> aim it, if I hit it, oh, knock the, mic- <laughs> knock the microphone over here a little bit. That's all right. I want to wake up the listeners here. Um, you know, if, if I, if I look at the mountain, I know I'm not going to hit the mountain, but I might hit something out in that. Right. Out, out, out in the general yeah. Area. yeah. Did you, can I tell you something else as a yeah, little absolutely. side, side exit ramp here? I got, so I don't play golf because I just don't like it. I think it's dumb. Yeah. Okay. However, I did go to a golf tournament in Castle Pines. I don't know. There's a, whatever that is down here in Colorado. I did not know that golf was a quiet sport. <laughs> <laughs> I do 
not know. She's riding up on her Ducati. No, no, I, I was just, you know, yelling and feeling excited for these. It was Phil Mickelson. I'll never forget it. And I got two warnings for being, you know, loud. And not then just I, one, you got two. I got two and then I got kicked out. So that was the end that I'm not doing that anymore. So you don't like no. golf and apparently golf doesn't like you either, huh? No, it was not, it was not a good match. Not enough adrenaline for my taste, but that's funny. Yeah. There's aspects of the game. I, I like the, like what you get by being on the motorcycle, being outside and it's yeah. just you and nature. But there's also like, it's Zen. Like people yeah. have told me that playing golf is very Zen and very thoughtful and, um, you know, I just couldn't find, like, I did not find my piece on not, that. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't see you uh, being real comfortable out on the golf course. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to give up that dream of Amy being on the golf course. I, I sucked at it and I'm not going back and you can't make me. Can't make me do it. Right? No, well, I don't know, it sounds like they have your picture up in the, on the walls. of the golf <laughs> Most wanted in land. Castle Pines. That's right. Yeah. Not, not. Wow, I'm here. blushing, reliving that. That's awesome. That's a, we will, I will, I will stop recording here in a little bit and you can tell me more about that story. <laughs> <laughs> so what what uh what breaks your heart i've heard people say often that if you want to figure out where to serve where to give your time your talent your treasure away from work or whatever think about you know answer that question what breaks your heart can you think of a, is there a cause that you're involved with is there something mm -hmm. that you really put your time and, and money and attention towards yeah i mean i am i am you know you probably guessed this from my yvonne chenard riff earlier but we are big conservationists in this family yeah. and so we do a lot of our volunteering and donating um for toward causes for for the earth and for for the planet and for the future of our children and so you know that's that's for me that's where it's at you know and and people in need all over the world we are big um, supporters of the, the, the folks in, in Ukraine. And, you know, like it, it's, there's so many things going on and there are so many heartbreaking things that are happening. I think you have to kind of hone in on those things that are, you know, it's for us, it's doing things as a family that we all, you know, we all believe in these causes because we all want to get involved. So yeah. for us, it's number one is, is the planet. Okay. So beyond, and that's awesome. I love that. That's, that's, uh, it speaks to me as well. What legacy are you trying to leave for your kids? Um, I'm not trying to leave a legacy. They are my legacy. Awesome. Well, that's a great <laughs> I just answer. Want the, I want my dust thrown into the wind. I mean, you know, I, they are my legacy. I, that, you know, if, if they are good humans, then that is my legacy. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our kids are all in their thirties. And I, my wife and I often have looked back and thought, man, if, you know, when we, when we see that our kids are spending time together and they're doing things together and it's fun and they love each other, it's like, yeah, that's the best thing ever. You know, it, it part is. of me is like, why didn't I get invited to that dinner? But then there's the bigger <laughs> part of me thinking that's pretty cool that they all decided to just get together. You know? Yeah. No. And like when you can watch your children, becoming you know good humans and and doing the right thing it doesn't matter what they do and what their careers are if they're okay. good people like you know that to me i like my job is done you know i don't need a legacy of whatever like they they're it so yeah that's, yeah that's what, what um i might have to edit this because i'm trying to figure out how to how to ask Lay it on me. No, no, no. It's not even. It's not even that. It's. It's more. Of a, sorry, I'm having fun with my microphone. It fell, so I'm having a good time just <laughs> holding the microphone instead of having it be on the stand, which is kind of fun. Um, 
Yeah, I, get, I don't know. I just, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the interviewer hat off now. Just the conversation hat. I just, it's fun yeah. just getting to know you and learning more about, about you and about some of the challenges. I mean, I've never had my house burned down. I've never, you know, I've never, I've experienced loss. I mean, I've lost my mom. I've lost my dad. We've lost family members and friends suddenly. Um, but I think that I've just learned. I mean, I, I've just learned to be grateful. You know, yeah. everything in life happens for whatever you believe that reason is, it does happen for a reason and how yeah. we respond to it. What message would you give to, if you were going to write your last feature article for family business magazine about what you think family businesses need from what you've observed so far, do you, do you I mean, you've probably never thought of it that way, but I mean, is there a topic or a message or something to family businesses that you just see kind of, okay, I'm seeing that there must be a need for this because this is coming up a lot. Or maybe this isn't coming up at all and it needs to. Anything come to mind on that at all? So, you know, it's not things that family businesses need to do. It's the lessons family businesses have that they should share more freely. And when I when I say that, you know, one of the, the great lessons to me early on in this post is, you know, family businesses more than any other entity I've ever interviewed, family businesses hold dear to this core values concept. Mm. Again, it is a unique feature to family businesses, right? You go to Silicon Valley and, you know, all the startups have a value statement in their, you know, in their business plans and their pitch decks, but they're not real. You know, as soon as they get the, the deal flow, you know, those value statements are tossed. And the way family businesses, it is just a remarkable thing to me, the way that they cherish that, revisit their values. You know, if, if family values could go to a startup, you know, family leaders, go and talk to startups, go and talk mm -hmm. like about this central theme in family business, which is values and ethics, you know, to a certain extent, because it is so unique. And you know, when I talk to other sectors of the industry, they don't get it, right? You don't get it unless you're in it and you can see it at work. And in every conversation, every interview I've ever had with a family business leader or stakeholder or any member, it always inevitably comes back to core values. And so, you know, I don't, there's, I, it is not my position to say family businesses should do something differently, but that that is the holy grail. And I like, I really believe that those core values are what differentiates, you know, multi-generational family businesses from the rest of, of the world business world. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Cause I know that we talk a lot about how family businesses typically think generationally, whereas the non-family companies will think more quarter to quarter or, earnings yeah, exactly. or, or please the share, shareholders or what have you. And I really like that. And I think that that's, one of the blessings and one of the curses of running a family business is the values as you alluded to, but also I've asked a lot of family businesses over the years, you know, how hard is it to, to keep the family business going and keep it, you know, keep the, the leadership in the family, in the business within the values of the company. I know that's yeah. a challenge sometimes you turn around, you got a dog back there. I do. I need to make sure he's not getting into trouble. Yeah, I know that my dog gets in here and tears up. The <laughs> half the time I'm going, so. I didn't mean to interrupt the flow that we had going there. No, but that's all right. I like it. That's that's life. It, yeah, but it's you know the, the that whole thing the the values knowing what you stand for 
like that we need to be screaming to the world because it's not only a business lesson, it's a life lesson. And, you know, there are, you could go down a thousand philosophical threads on that topic alone. Um, but to me, that has been one of the more moving and poignant uh, lessons I've learned uh, from family businesses. Yeah, I've heard quotes, uh, a lot of different family quotes. One that comes to mind as you're talking is if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Yeah, that's so true. Families yeah. are really good. I love these family businesses that just, you know, the family value comes first. Yeah. What's, been the, what's been the biggest difference between running entrepreneur magazine versus running family business magazine for you? Well, I mean, it's two very different audiences and, you know, from a, the demography is probably, you know, kind of similar, but with, with entrepreneur, you know, it was all about the idea phase, right. And how do you get a bright idea? What do you do with this idea? And family business is much more, okay, we've had this idea and we're passing it along, you know, how can we protect this idea? How do we, how do we iterate? How do we stay relevant? So, you know, you're going from this very early stage idea, you know, and it's very hopeful and it's very inspiring, you know, to see these cool ideas to a much more mature, much, much more governed kind of business, right? So there, there it, that part is vastly different, right? The whole idea execution versus, okay, we're, how do we get this thing to go to the next generation? Yeah. I like yeah. what you said earlier, you talked about how this hit me at the time you said it, and then I got into a different topic that the family business leaders of today, the folks that are, you know, my age, fifties, sixties, or what have you might be more interested in the print issue of the magazine. Mm -hmm. I'm not paraphrasing you. And then the 20 somethings may never pick up the magazine. They may only yeah. do it digitally or on social media. Yeah. How do you make the message that you're conveying as the editor-in-chief of Family Business Magazine resonate with the next gens in their 20s coming in and the 70-year-olds who are still running the company? It's probably yeah. a challenge you face, but how do you, how do you keep it relevant for everyone? Well, for the as far as audience development, when, when you're talking about, you know, bringing in younger readers, you have to go where they are, which is going to be on social and digital platforms, right? And you have to not only go where they are, you have to put yourself where they are, right? Like you have to become a part of that conversation and you have to use language that is not, you know, like your father's business magazine, right? Like it's, it needs to be fun and engaging and, you know, topical. Um, I happen to love print. I think it is a beautiful art form and I hope it never ever goes away. You know, like it's just, there's a, you know, permanence to the printed word that you do not get in a digital environment, right? And so, you know, the, the, the quality control has to meet much higher on a, a print product than a digital product. And so that's one of the, the things I love about it. And I think, you know, even my mother, who is a, you know, she's 80 years old, is moving her information, her, her access to information to digital platforms. You know, she still reads yeah. magazines. She takes magazines is what she calls it. I take magazines. Yeah. I, I take people magazine. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you go where they are and there will always be readers of print, you know, hopefully, and it'll, you know, it'll end up where it needs to be. But the, the bottom line is content and storytelling is like music, right? You can go through your eight track 
cassettes to your cassettes to your CDs to your MP3s. The music is what makes the experience great. The platforms are going to change. And that's the truth for, for storytelling as well. And that's where we are. You know, we're kind of in the MP3 section of, of storytelling. And that, you know, great story. There will always be a need for great stories. Always. Yeah. Historically, it goes back thousands of years and it'll certainly yeah. go forward thousands of years for sure. Yeah. I'm actually taking a storytelling class right now. Oh, cool. A gentleman that was on my podcast recently, Jay Golden. And, um, He's a storytelling coach and there's about five or six of us or seven of us, I think, in the class. How do you coach storytelling? Like, just tell me, how. what's the... First, understanding just the structure of it. You know, it's kind of like every great TV show, every great movie, every great novel has a conflict somewhere in there. Uh -huh. You've watched the Hallmark movies where the couple almost kisses and then they don't or they right. you know, they're falling in love and then the old boyfriend comes into town. I mean, there's those stories and that's actually every Hallmark movie. So that's maybe not right. the right lesson. <laughs> But, and my wife and I, we joke about that all the time, but it's understanding, you know, kind of the, wh where are you now or where were you? Where do you want to get with the story? What were the steps that took you there? So it's just so far, I've taken one class, but so far it's been really awesome to see not in my own, not only in my own stories, but in the stories of others, you know, yeah. that transition and to kind of see those, whether it's a moment of conflict or an aha, or just a step where, Hey, I learned something. And I, I, you know, you know, COVID hit in 2020 and my life was on a certain trajectory and it completely just zigzagged and went all over the place from there. And my life is so much better now, three years later. I mean, if you'd have told me on March 6th, 2020, well, let's go a week later, March 13th, when the world was shutting down, where I'd be sitting today, March of 2023, after a shutdown, I wouldn't have believed you. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that have happened in my own personal story and the stories of, of you know, millions of others. So yeah. look, to answer your question, how do you coach storytelling? Stay tuned. I'll tell you. But right now, you, can I just give you a little tip on great storytelling? Please. And one of the, the most um, the most misunderstood concept in storytelling and really anything when it comes to communication mm -hmm. is clarity right? The clarity of your story is everything in, you know, magazine writing, podcasting, you know, you have to clearly state, you know, in three sentences or less, what this is about, right? Yeah. What are you like, what is this podcast about? Like the, the clarity is what is key in storytelling. And I tell, I tell that to my writers too. Yeah. And that, that's a good transition because the, when, when I do talk to people about my podcast, they say, what's it about? It's like, well, it's really easy to find out what Amy Cosper does for a living. And I can look at her LinkedIn and read her resume and see the what, what you don't get from Amy Cosper, unless you really talk to her is the why. Mm -hmm. And so the podcast is really the why. And so it's, yeah. it's a good sort of wrap on, on the conversation because the podcast is called from the heart, which is my last name, which, you know, it didn't take me long to think of the name of the podcast, but the why of the podcast is really, it's from the heart, you know, what is in your heart. And right. so, Right. I, I end every podcast and I'll, you know, we don't have to end here, but I'm going to ask you the question now, Amy, what's in your heart? Oh, so many things, <laughs> mostly gratitude, you know, after, after talking to you, you know, I, I'm so grateful to, to have had the experiences I've had in, in, in my life and with family businesses and with startups. I mean, it's just, Every day, it's just I am in awe and wonder of of the coolness of of people. You know, it's 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 quite something, really. 